Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Bradley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to Inside the Ropes episode number 103, lovely to be here, big show to come, Minwoo Lee going to join us on the program, wrap up uh, the PGA Championship right off the top from Beth Page Black with two of the great men of Australian golf, Mark Hayes, how lovely to be How lovely to be here with you. Pleasure's all mine Andy. I'm surprised I got the reins back from you after a stellar performance last week. Mike Clayton sits across from us, hello Clates. Andy, how are you? You well? Yeah, you're all good. Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka. Thoughts? Ball. Yeah, he really is. Is he Ball. fun to watch? Um, I mean, unbelievable performance. I mean, the, but for the blip, you know, after the turn on the Sunday, he was bulletproof, wasn't he? I mean, he's like Iron Man or Superman or whatever Marvel <laughs> hero you want to roll in. It just looked like no one's going to lay a glove on him and it was going to be untouched. He sort of was almost the agent of his own demise. No one really came at him. He sort of gifted, you know, Johnson a bit of a look at it, but then... You know, he kind of wobbled late in 17 and 18 and he played those holes poorly. But he never – but for that, he looked he looked dead set bulletproof. Yeah, just perfect course for him. Powerful. Narrow so no one's hitting a lot of fairways. I think the top 15 players, a couple of them hit 60-plus percent, but mostly in the 50. So strong enough to get it close enough to the green to gouge it out Near the green and get up and down if you missed. Let's stay on Kepka until you, we go onto the course. Yeah, we'll get to, yeah, we'll yeah. come to the course. This is going, this is going to be course uh, one hundred and one here. This decision is <laughs> is he fun? Who's fun? how many he, how many guys have been fun to watch play golf over the years? Not that I, many. I, I think Seve was fun. I like watching Rory play Rory's, when Rory's going yeah, well. Tiger at his best was fun. Early Tiger was the the rare combination of. Enthusiasm and crowd engagement plus steely concentration. Kepka's one but not the other. Yeah. Adam Scott's a beautiful player to watch play golf. Yeah. Peter Thompson was great because he was so nonchalant. I'm not sure what Kepka, what sort of category he fits into. He's a bullishly Ooh. strong, smashes it, hits the ball really well, properly. Oh, no, I like what, so, this, what I'm trying to think of this now while we're But there's yeah. a lot of guys I like watching play. Yeah. There's a lot of got, but I, and you you marvel at Kepka, like you marvel at his power, but it's a bit. It's a we had this conversation about Dustin Johnson a couple of quite a few episodes ago now, and he fits into the same kind of category to a degree. It's all monstrous power and prodigious distance, and Kepka's now Mm. developed this this cold blooded, you know, rise to the moment, not get his heart rate up above twenty. Like like menace on two legs and just wills his way in big championships now, sort of beyond anybody who comes at him. So all of that's 
really admirable, but he's I don't I just don't know whether he's do we care fun do to we watch. care about him is the question. Does well, anyone care about um, I think you start caring when someone gets into the historic realm of six plus majors, right? You know, well, I don't know. He's going to get there in a hurry. Isn't he? Well, let's let's put this on, knows, the, on the table. He's got four in eighteen months. Yeah, he's got five. He's five, I, I, I've said this stat a hundred times this week, Andy. Five wins on the USPGA Tour. Four of them have been major championships. I mean, he's the anti shark. He's the tw- he's twenty shots better. He's twenty under the card better than the next best player in the last nine major championships that have been played. So come the big tournaments all around the world, well, well, throwing America, he's clearly better than the next person on the planet in the last two years. So four major championships already puts him up with your mate, Clates, Tom Morris. Old Tom Morris. Old Tom. And and young Tom Morris. They both won four. But he's only one behind Peter Thompson, Seve Ballesteros, Byron Nelson, uh, it's unbelievable. He could he could get to Nick Feldo by this time next year. The way he's going, Feldo was six. Yeah, well, he, well easily. Well, he could easily. But I mean, golf's such a you know. Whoever thought that when Arnold Palmer walked off the 18th grand Augusta in 1964 when he yeah. was 34 years old, winning by eight shots or something, that was it. That was it. it was the last major he was ever going to win. Well, Tom Watson the same at 80, 83 at Birktop. Yeah, you could have put your house on those guys winning. Not one more, of but course, yeah, four more. Yeah, yeah. So who knows when it all finishes. But this kid's 29. He's incredibly good. He's obviously got a great temperament for these things. So if, if someone said, I mean, the bet, the bet now is under or over eight at least, isn't it? I would have thought so. He, he, he put 10 on the table the other day himself. Hmm. You know, double-digit major championships. But, I, I, know, I put I mean, it to Andy in another, in another forum, Clates, that I reckon he's got an advantage because – he doesn't love. He doesn't love golf. Hey, why do we know that? He likes it, but he doesn't love it. I don't know. I don't he know. wants to be a pro baseballer. You know, he, he'd 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 want to do anything. It, this is this is something that he can detach himself from. Not entirely, because we saw what happened when the pressure came on in that back yeah, line. Yeah, but he yeah. can detach himself a little bit more than others can, I believe, in a major championship situation. And he does not give a continental what he does in the Smiths Crisps Open. In, uh, in in Jupiter, Florida, next week he could not care less. So he just rolls in with an entire focus on the major championships. He he was practicing at the Byron Nelson Championship, mm. absolutely practicing shots for the for. He would finish there third or something. Uh, it was good, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, top Forest. five, mm. top five yeah. at Trinity Forest. But yeah. you know he didn't care. He didn't push too hard. But by God, when he put the foot down at Bethpage Black, holy cow! Because mm. Pebble Beach is a good course for him too. Isn't yeah. It? And it'll set it. They'll set it up much differently to that uh, Mickey Mouse pro am that they play earlier in the year. It'll it'll have fangs. Well, what course bit. isn't good for him now? I mean, he hits it straight oh, and he hits it a million miles, yeah. and he and he's and he he doesn't buckle when there's pressure applied. I I, I don't know what well, uh, he dumped it in the creek at Augusta when he was had that well that well taking. yeah well I mean Maybe he does right. he's not going to win every yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. He no he's, no he's been phenomenal under mm. the under the pressure he's been brilliant. Beyond, almost beyond criticism. Yeah. But, but I think this goes to where Clates was taking the conversation earlier, Andy. Um, he's tremendously advantaged by courses like Beth Page Black. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it plays right into his wheelhouse that only a few people are capable of going with him. And the, and the, the best example of an opponent was Dustin Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Guy, and Clates has got some stats here that I'm sure he's going to roll out about percentages and things. 
Um, but you know, you couldn't build a better course for Brooks Koepka. That's on the on if we're just if we're trying to analyse how many majors he's going to win, and we start rolling him out onto courses set up like Bethpage Black the other day. The number is you know barely capable. But if we start playing on on wider courses, that said, he won at Aaron Hills. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, we could we could um, see, in my opinion, the chances of other players be exponentially increased. Whereas there were players uh, the other day who just could not possibly compete on the way Bethpage Black was set up. Only six guys under par. Yeah, it's ridiculous course set up, in my opinion, Clates. What do you think? Well, Spieth hit five fairways the last day and shot. Had a, he didn't have a chance to win, but oh, well, I hate. Narrow fairways bordered by long green grass. I just think they look awful. No matter how they play, they look awful set up by that. All the bunker is in the rough. So when Harold Varner hit it in the bunker at the last hole, that was a haven in amongst all that long grass. I mean, if, if you're in a bunker, that's a, that's a win. That can never be a good thing for golf. Seeing Tommy Fleetwood take a three-quarter backswing from a yard off the 16th green was just silliness. I mean, there's no penalising, but there's no skill in that shot. It's hit and hope. It's boring. So it's, I, it's, it's, I think it's, it's awful to watch. It's awful to look at. It's a distortion of what golf was meant to be and what that golf course was meant to be like. If Tillinghouse came back now, he'd hate the look of it. That place would look amazing if it was just all short grass. Mm. And wind, they would shoot, you know, which is the problem with the game, is that they would shoot 15 under par, and it would say, well, of course, it's too easy for a major championship, but it would look like proper golf, and it would be more interesting and because the problem is America is a dreadful climate for golf. Mm. It's too hot. It's too wet. It's too soft. It's too everything that's – Scotland's got the perfect climate for golf. Hard, bouncy, hungry links turf where the ball bounces. Mm. Australia's better. Australia's pretty good. But America's generally soft. So the only way they can see to defend those golf courses if they, if they can't get the greens like Royal Melbourne is to just do what they did. Grow, have no fellows and grow long grass. And people then think – because six under is the winning score, everything's all right with the world. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, it's incredibly boring to watch good players hack out of long grass. Of course it is. And it actually looks like they're not playing as well as they are because you miss a 28-yard wide fairway by four yards and you just take the wedge and chop it back out in the fairway. Whereas at Royal Melbourne, I mean, these, I mean they won't miss a fairway at Royal Melbourne unless they try and hug an edge. But if you say to Brooks Kepka at the President's Cup, all you got to do this week is hit the fairway. He'll hit every fairway, mm. no problem at all. Mm. But then he's got to hit high-quality, I was going to say irons, pitch shots to get <laughs> close to the flags. Mm. But that's the problem with the game is that Royal Melbourne's a, as great as that course is. It's a pitch and putt course for these guys. And we'll see in November and December. Yeah, if, it, if it's still especially. What it's what it's been reduced to. And that's nothing, it's no criticism of what I think is one of the best courses in the world. It's just the reality of how far these guys hit the ball. I said to, I had a good conversation, Andy, this morning with Justin Falconer in our office one of the great things that I go to tournaments to watch, you know, before I was involved in golf, I would go and watch because I love to see guys like Mike Clayton hit out of the rough, play an inventive shot that I didn't have. Yeah. Every player who's who's listening to this right now can play a good shot from a fairway. Only pros can play outstanding shots from the rough all the time that keep them in with a chance to make par or, or better sometimes. Well, it's when, you, when you've got a ju- – in Australia, you've got to judge how the ball's going to fly. Yeah. How is it going to come out hot and go over the green or how's it going to come out? Whereas in America, you know it's going to come out. You just gouge it. They all come out the same, which is the problem with their golf is they try and create an equity of punishment. So everyone who misses by X 
gets X, everyone who misses by Y gets Y, and it's all got to be fair and equal. Whereas if you miss at St Andrews or Royal Melbourne or a great course like that, it's random punishment. You might get a good lie, you might get a bad one. But a part of the mental challenge of golf is dealing with your bad break, dealing with the good luck of your opponent. But after the course of 72 holes, it'll all pretty much work out fair and square. I just like the fact that anywhere inside 200 metres, in any potentially disastrous lie on the on the courses that you and I are espousing now, you can play an awesome shot, not me. Yours, you can play an awesome shot and escape. This one here is, I'm gouging it out. Well, it I've, got takes a, I've got a lob wedge in my hand, and I'm just putting it back in play. Well the, well, the good thing about though our golf in Australia and in Scotland and Britain is that there are no disastrous lies. Mm. Unless you go to where Minwoo Lee's playing the British Open qualifier at Walton Heath next week. If you go on the header there, that's a disaster. But if you go, if you miss the fairway in Australia and England and Britain generally, the good thing about it is it's not a disastrous lie. It's a lie that gives you a chance. It also gives you a chance to mess up. You're not messing up out of the rough at Beth Bay. You just hack it out. There's no imagination. Zero. Like you talk about the shot, the shots you're talking about, these guys playing, when you get in behind a good player and you can see them working the angles, working the lie, seeing the options, you can see them computing, well, I've got three or four shots I can play here to get out. It depends how bold I want to be. And, you you know, you've done this a thousand times in your pro career in the courses that you play particularly around here. That course on the weekend, they they never had they never had to make that that decision. They just turned to their caddy. Hey, knackers, throw me the wedge. I just need to hack yeah. this out. So, so what it is, and it sounds logical, is that it's a pure test of execution. And most people hear that will say, "Well, isn't that what golf should be?" Well, that's one way to play it. But the, a better way to play it is it's a test of execution and of thought. Yeah, there is no thought. There's nerve required. You've got to have the guts to stand up and hit it. Mm. But there's no test of thought or options or because you're not playing to one half of a fairway or another because you're just happy to be because you're better off on the fairway but completely on the wrong side of it than you are on the right side of it but two feet off it so why would you try for to hedge down one side of a fairway to open up a f- angle to a flag and so the, the strategy is reduced to or dumbed down to not much I think that's a really good one beautifully it? put yeah. Clayton yeah. I know that you've got these numbers on your on your phone here Andy, I don't know if you've seen these, but this this is unbelievable, especially as it pertains to Adam Scott. But these are the numbers that Clates has done his research. It's pretty oh, pretty impressive. impressive for oh, I just found it on someone put it That's up great. on Twitter. No, don't, don't say but, that. Okay. No, no. You, but, you've done some serious research and you've brought this in here. So one, two, three, four, five of the top 13 players are in the top 10 in driving distance. Oh, there you go. It's but, amazing. That's on tour. But only three in the top 20 in accuracy. So whilst you would think this type of setup rewards straight driving, it in fact rewards driving reasonably straight but getting close to the greens. So you can gouge it out and gouge it on. So Kepka was 57% of fairways, Johnson 57 And we lauded, we lauded Kepka through yeah, the, through yeah, the yeah, weekend we, yep, for yep. just being infallible off the tee. Mm. And he's not, clearly. Well, his numbers took a hit. Jordan Spieth, 48%, finished third, hitting less than half the fairways on a course where you can't play from the rough. So one, it tells you what a great putter he is. Adam Scott was interesting because everyone points to Adam as perfect swing, great driver, lousy putter. Is that the knock on Adam Scott? Of course it is. 48% of fairways hit. 27 out of 
56. And 38th in driving distance. So not only is he quite some way from the longest, he's quite some way from being the straightest too. Mm. So when you say, well, he's been, well, the driver is more of a problem than the putter, looking at that. On that course. Yeah, it's on a, that course, because yeah, those numbers would be skewed elsewhere, yeah. wouldn't they? You yeah. know, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he had a good week with a dodgy weekend. He shot seventy four the last day with a yeah. bad finish. He did, and I, on the on the second day when Adam Scott had the tournament sort of still within his reach, uh, and for that matter, he had a chance to shoot the major championship record score for a while until he had a little three putt on the seventeenth. Uh, he they showed some stats of his round. Uh, after that, Andy, he's ranked. I didn't realise this. Adam Scott is ranked 207th on tour for putts between four to eight feet, which I think that sort of goes to what Clates is saying. So he he makes them just under 60 percent of the time, which is uh. nowhere near what you need it to be. Would you believe that from 15 to 20 feet, he's ranked number one on tour? So, so where is he inside 20 from zero to 20 feet? Where is he? I didn't. They didn't show the whole thing, but from. <clears throat> From four so to eight, he's yeah. two hundred and seven. Yeah, that's right. From fifteen that, well, to twenty, he's number one. Yeah, and on Tuesday, on the Friday, when he was bombing in putts from all over the place, made nearly three hundred feet of putts. Mr. Two Footer, Mr. Two Footer, to get a chance at a sixty-two. But it, it, it's incredible to think that you know he, he, the strength of his game was the putting, but it was it clearly was the strength of his game. It's something we've never said before here. Yeah, that's interesting. So, tie eight, Scott, tie 23, Day, tie 64, Smith, tie 71, Lucas Herbert, Leash, Jones, Dean, and Hocknell yeah. is one of us. They missed the cut. Club pros, yeah. Um, unnoticed, Patrick Cantlay was third, was he? He yeah. was up there, yeah. Seventh in driving distance and 19th in accuracy. So, he's if you want a, kind of roughy for a major in the next couple it's of years. It's going all right, yeah. Is he starting to play a bit it's quicker? Good. Is he playing quickly is enough? Is he slow, is he? He has been in the past. Roger Bannister, slow. You get nominated. Yeah, yeah, He's nominated. in. He was in. Here's, here's a trivia question for you both. What There's a person about to join this list I'm about to talk about, and it's based on the uh, the USPGA Championship. Louis Oosthuizen, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, Arnold Palmer, Phil Mickelson, and Greg Norman. Dustin Johnson. That's the added, that's the addition to the list. So yeah. you there, do you know what the list yeah, is? Yeah, I do. Talk Sorry. To us. No, it's good. It's Career runner-up in Grand Slams. Yeah, career grand slam in runner-ups. Isn't that what I just said? Or no, did, no right that's okay. Right. We, we listen to what you mean, not what you say. Right. Um, J- Dustin Johnson, who on that list could have, would have, should have had X number of majors. How many? Five? Could have? Well, he burned that one at Pellwood, didn't he? Yeah. 82. He, he, he burned uh, one at Whistling Straight. Yeah, Whistling. Well, that, well, that was Kyle the got him. Fight. That was atrocious. Yeah, that's that terrible. Bit of officiating. Uh, he three-putted at Chambers Bay, didn't he, to lose that US yep. Open? One at Oakmont with that ridiculous ruling and that shambles, but he hit two great shots into 18. But he, uh, he, he hit a two-on over the fence at St. George's when Darren Clark won. Oh, 14. oh yeah. Awful shot. Got about that. Horrendous shot. He's been in position to win so many yeah, major no, championships. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I reckon that we watched it the other day. He got to within one out of the out of the blue. But that, he got and then just folded. Threw yeah, up all over himself. Yeah, yeah. It, it was did, terrible. Yeah. yeah, it was horrible. One of, the, one of the great mysteries as to why no one has ever hired Squirrel, who came for Jeff Ogu for 10 years. Came for me a little bit, a lot of good players, much better players than me. I was probably the worst player he came for. <laughs> but why Adam Scott didn't hire him, I don't know. Why Dustin Johnson should hire him. He was Squirrel's an amazing caddy, and he's, he came for Matt Fitzpatrick, who won the Swiss Open with him, then fired him because someone more famous offered himself up. But 
convinced Squirrel would help anyone he came for, and Dustin Johnson, no, no more than Dustin Johnson. Yeah. But he's uh, got his brother coming for him, so he's keeping the yeah, money. Well, in the yeah, that's good. It'll wow. keep the wife. It'll keep the family happy. Yeah. Um, so, twenty twenty four. Well, I'm sure we'll hear of Beth Page Black between now and then. But twenty twenty four, we go back there for the Ryder Cup. Um, Harold Varner said that they were telling Brooks to choke as he was falling apart on 18 on the final day. They were abu- literally abusing him. Some of the crowd behaviour was horrific. It's been commented upon by plenty of people who were there, and they're all putting out the red flags. The Ryder Cup shouldn't be. The, the, the behaviour of these fans in this part of the world for an event like that, it will be a disaster. Boorish was the word that I heard On used. more than one occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything we can do that's about to it? one of their own, Andy. Like, Brooks Kepka's, you know, a, an all-American sort of a boy, isn't he? Choke. Bray Brooks, keep choking. Uh, like this, a- is, this is a problem with all um, New York area sports teams. I believe it's not, you know, just a golf thing. Um, they want to be part of the action. They want to put their own little personal brand involvement. That When Brooks Kepka was playing out of that funnel on the side of the, was it the 14th yeah, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Um, on the back nine the other day, uh, Wow, I mean, the that intent on getting into the picture and having their say it, <laughs> it's, it's extraordinary. And I, I'm, I dread to think what's going to happen at the Ryder Cup. Can you imagine being a oh god a European rookie Ryder Cupper? Oh god! Now Dennis Pugh, who coaches Francesco Molinaro, has a different take on it. The course will suit Europe because no matter how it's set up, par's a good score. Yeah. The crowd will be difficult for US team to. USA team to play in front of if they get behind. That's true. That's a good point. So I'm not sure it's good. But it's a bizarre But it's just sporting, general you know, behaviour, you know. It's, if anyone behaved that way at a golf tournament in Australia, it's just not the way Australian golf or English, British golf crowds react. But it's a peculiarly New York thing where they feel as entitled as we do when we go to a football match to scream at the umpire, to scream at anyone who's the players or the, you know, it's just they inject themselves onto the themselves onto the but very into ha- the contest much more than any other yeah. golfing crowd ever anywhere. It's bizarre. It's completely – Huggy and I went to the US Open in 2002. You can't believe it. I mean, it's like, really, mate? Mm. Yeah, you, you really said that? Kidding? It's getting worse. No, it's the rent. It's, it's always been – Yeah, right. Well, okay. they, were, they were on Phil's side against Tiger that, that day. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, it was the same sort of deal. Phil was their man. and That's the problem, though. There's so many great courses in the Long Island and area. There's bound to be key tournaments, uh, you know, of with so many majors and big events in the United States. There's bound to be tournaments in the New York metropolitan area. I can't see them ever being able to avoid this problem. The one in Boston, taking in New Jersey. The as one well. in Boston was pretty bad. The one at the Country Club where Brook is that Brooklyn? Uh, yeah, that was where Payne Stewart gave that hole to Monty, and, yeah. and Payne Stewart went into the crowd and sort of read him the right act. Better start behaving here. I'm playing this guy, but you know, behave. Yeah, some common decency, please. Yeah. Has the girlfriend forgiven the boyfriend yet? Oh, how about this? Is that? the big talking point. This one oh, that's gone that global. One. Yeah, <laughs> this is more important than any shot that Brooks kept played through the 72 holes. Do you reckon the pash on the side of the 18th green would have sort of um, Ooh, put him back in the good books? Or who's, no? What's gone viral? What on, about the uh, two social bit, media? What about the two million dollar check in the account? Yeah, yeah that helps. But still not enough. Don't know. Don't know. That was a big moment. You better it explain was. yourself. Oh, well, everyone's seen it, haven't they? Well, Jenna Sims know. wanders up and the walk into the clubhouse to get ready on the final day, and 
she wants to give him the big cuddle as the cameras are rolling. She knows the world's seeing him. All eyes are on Brooks, and he sort of brushed her. <laughs> Twice. Brush. Twice. And then she folded the arms, and oh. that, that was the moment. That, that could have – in fact, that, if, if Brooks Kepka had been – if I had been Brooks Kepka in that moment, that would have been the moment that I lost the tournament because <laughs> that's the only thing I would have been thinking about. For, how much strife am I in now <laughs> for burning the doll? I would have been in that much trouble mentally from that point forth. I wouldn't have had a hope in hell of finding a fair way of making a putt. No chance. I'm going to say to you that Emma's not going to um, stand in front of the world's TV cameras anytime soon. So is it parading? <laughs> Given that they've awarded, <laughs> no the, they've awarded the USPGA to Olympic in 2028. This is always going to be the unloved fourth major. Nothing will ever change. Everyone loves the British yeah. Open. Everyone yeah. loves the Masters. We all kind of like the US Open, even though they mess it up half the, you know, most of the time. But it's not exactly fair. But And no one loves the PGA. No. And that could be the most – they could go from four to one with one decision by the USPGA, one bold decision to take it. By the PGA occasionally, of America. Occasionally, the PGA of America, to occasionally, once every Olympic year, say, out of America, yeah. bring it to Royal Melbourne, take it to Hirono in Japan and Fancourt in South Africa and mm. take it around the world because no one's ever going to care about this thing while it's stuck in America. Mm. And it's such an insular – you know, if you're playing – if you're starting up golf now – you would never play four mate, three majors in America. Mm. No but chance. Tennis is a much better range sport. Not that's the only thing that tennis does better than golf. But if if they just moved it out of America once every four years, and yeah. it would just it would give it a chance to be. I think you're preaching to the converted. Know, you are no doubt. I just put two two positive things, Andy. Um, we've seemed like we're down a bit on here. I like the move of the tournament, given that it's not going to move to to May. I think that was a success. Well, I think we both it gives it marginally more of an appeal than it did have yep. in its previous. No, I just think it's just I think it's just gotten lost between the Masters <laughs> and the US Open. That's right. I think it's a terrible one. Do you really? Well, the problem is August is so because going back to the climate, yeah. America's August is such a bad month. You know, the worst golf tournament ever was the 1987 PGA at PGA National in Florida when it was 178 degrees and <laughs> you know the greens were no good and it was just awful. But but they could have had snow it. In New York yeah. in May, if so it's, it's just a, went badly. It's just it is what it is, and just reinvent the thing. Anyway, that aside, well, maybe you've just <clears throat> so good luck. That's one that. knocked yeah, out yeah, of the ballpark. Yeah, Give me is. the other one. Well, I, I know that Brooks Kepka is robotic. I get that, but I like that he speaks his mind at press conferences. I love that about mm. him. I love it. He he said, you know, the crowd chanting for DJ spurred me on. I want to win ten major championships. I, I think I'm more focused. I, I think I'm, I'm more focused, focused than, than anyone out there. Yeah. And I, and I think it. I'm tough enough having a slap at his slightly misinterpreted version of what Brandel Chambly had said about him. What? Well, Chambly a couple of weeks ago said he wasn't one of the mentally toughest players out there. He put Rory and Johnson in there, which was kind of a bit ironic, really. Or I thought the opposite was the mm. case. Anyway, yep. So I think Chambly enjoyed. Putting the finger up to Brandel this weekend as well. Uh, Brandel swallowed his pride on the Sunday night. He had to, so it was interesting in itself. In fact, uh, you would argue that Rory and Johnson are—of course, they're not mentally weak. They're great. They're terrific players, but absolutely both in their thirties almost to have won only five majors between them. They're better than that. Mm. Uh, Minwoo Lee, not too far away from joining us. Uh, are we done on the PGA Championship for two thousand and nineteen? Yeah, I think I'm just about cooked with that. So we're going to get we'll, – we'll run through, you know, Australians around the world uh, a bit later on in the show. But 
Can we just give a shout out to uh, the US Women's Senior Open was played on the weekend. It was. Helen Alfredson. Correct. Okay. She won it. But there was a very famous name from an Australian perspective who was right up her ginger, as they used to say in the classics. <laughs> or not. Um, <laughs> or not. Jane, Jane Crafter, type that's of the fourth. Yeah. 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 That's phenomenal. I, and, you know, Jane, <laughs> Jane, Jane Crafter, um, as we heard on the podcast a few weeks ago when she was on the road mm. to the Women's Australian Open, the 1997 Women's Australian Open champion, tied fourth, as Clayton says, um, age 63. She's 63. Jeez, 63. She's that old. I remember when she was, <laughs> oh, I when she was 17. <laughs> Big listen to this podcast, Clayton. You're going to bury yourself here. Yeah, no, no. Well, I played with Neil. I played with Neil, her yeah, brother, yeah. and Graham Marsh last week at Peninsula. So we nice. were talking about Jane and what she was doing. And so what, did, she, what did Marshy think of Peninsula? I think he liked it. Okay, he, he yep, did like it, yeah. Yep. It was, was Marshy was that. I said, Marshy, how many tournaments would you have won if you could have been a half-competent bunker player? And he said, he won, he won 60 about. Yeah. He said nearly probably a hundred, because he left three in the front bunker at the seventh and <laughs> duffed it out of the bunker on the second and ran back down the front of the green. And but yeah, he liked it. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. And he uh, still play, Marshy still plays well. We have mm. to get him on. He's he's oh, uh, Marshy's great. One of my favourites. That could be homework for you, Clayton. Right. I think everyone would love. Well, he's to coming out for the Presidents' Cup, so let's get him on that week. Great. Uh, <clears throat> I had a chat to Jane Crafter yesterday, Andy, and she was she was excited. She. She had a um, dodgy knee, just arthritic sort of knee complaint that meant that she had an, an injection in November that meant she couldn't play for quite a while. Yep. Hadn't picked up a stick basically until the, about, or competitively until about a month ago. So seven months off really from October was her last event to go That's and awesome. peg it up and shoot four really nice rounds or three. The, her first one was five over 76. She parred the course after that um, collectively. So um, I used to stay with the crafters. I used to live around the corner from Kionga. Yeah, I used to stay with Brian because Jane and Neil's their mum died quite very young. She was in her early forties, so there were three of them in the house. Every talent that was when the golf clubs used to put the names of the clubs on the tail. Remember that? Every talent in the house is Kionga, Grange, or Royal Adelaide. Can't get a tail out of the other Grange. Perfect. That's great. Great family though. Just one other name there, Andy. Just to congratulate Sue Worcester and Jan Stevenson missed the cut there, but Wendy Doolan, first time around on the on the senior circuit, just just turned fifty. A name that many people will be familiar with, Wendy Doolan. Finished 11th. Uh, only yeah, we should have mentioned only With 81 stroke. the first round or something? Yeah, shot 81 the first round, then 68, 71, 74. Only finished one stroke behind um, Laura Davies, of all people. Yeah. So great effort by yep. Wendy Doolan to finish yeah, 11th. Yeah. But Jane Crafter, T4, golf clap from us. And uh, I think that's a huge effort, um, you know, at, at age 63, let's be honest. Here, here. Don't go anywhere uh, from one extreme to the other. Um Hashtag golden era on the other side of this. Min Woo Lee is going to join us on the show. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. MyGolf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. Sir... If your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au.
Welcome back to the show. Um, we love reveling in hashtag golden era, Hazy. Uh, hopefully other people are picking up on this other than just you and I, a couple of silly old buggers <laughs> who keep banging on about this with our Twitter uh, handle that we're trying to get going sort of global and get it trending. When we do get to use it, there's often uh, the name Minwoo Lee attached to it. There has been many, many times on the way through and he's back in Perth having um, taken some really, really significant steps in his career uh, in recent times and he's been good enough to join us on the show. Min, thanks for joining us, mate. Um, great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it's an honour, isn't it? <laughs> well, we'd like to think so. Not not many would share that view, but we'd like to think so. Um, nice it's, to it's, be- about, it's about time you join us. We've talked about you on, we've done 100, this is 103 episodes. We've talked about you on yeah. approximately 87 of them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Um, yeah, I've always wanted to be on this. Uh, oh, yeah. It took 103 goes to get him on. <laughs> yeah, 100. <laughs> <laughs> nice to be um, home. No, I've listened. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's really good. Uh, I had a bit of a break, had a bit like a week and a half off, so uh, feeling refreshed and getting back into it. And then I got the US Open qualifying next week. So when you say refresh, me, I mean it has been a crazy few months since you turned pro, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, pretty hectic, a uh, lot of travel and not much time at home. So uh, yeah, it's nice to just hang out with my family and friends uh, back home. So this isn't about us, it's just about your choices, but I'm not sure if you listened to our podcast when we when, uh, we were talking about the benefits of going to Europe or the benefits of having a crack through the web.com tour of uh, individual starts and trying that way. You obviously started with one tactic in mind this year, headed to Panama, went to Saudi Arabia, finished fourth, and your whole world changed really, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't even know about this seven start thing and... Uh... Yeah, ended up obviously with a good result and that kind of just kick-started everything. And then, yeah, my mindset just shifted to Europe and a lot of people um, have said that Europe's away. And um, yeah, I'm glad I went this way. It's uh, The courses are really, really good and you got to hit every shot pretty much. So, um, and the people, people are awesome on this tour. So uh, yeah, it's a very good place to start. And um, hopefully I clinch my uh, full card for next year in the next few opportunities. You better tell us about that, mate. We've been pontificating about the maths required, <laughs> and we can't figure it out. And I know that you'll know exactly. That's your shtick. As in the, as in what I have to get. Yeah, what you've got available left to you in terms of invitations, and okay. where you have to get to money wise or points wise. Yeah. Um, so before the British Masters last week, I had to get a top forty in that tournament, which I missed the cut by one. Um, and a lot of people have like think that it's the end of it, kind of, but. Um, I think I'm pretty sure I get conditional status no matter what happens from now as I will be just outside the top 115 of the race of Dubai uh, for the end of this year. So um, I got that as a backup, but I got the US Open qualifying. I got um, another tournament on the European Tour called the BMW International in uh, Germany. And that uh, I get a there's a criteria of uh, the highest non-status member um, on the European tour, which I am right now. So uh, hopefully I get that and then I get another tournament uh, into that and then also the British uh, Open qualifying and getting into the British Open. So, uh, yeah, big task ahead, but hopefully I get into the BMW International and um, make a top 40 or whatever I have to get there. So if push came to shove, could you come back and play you know, an, an Asian tour event that's co-sanctioned with the European tour later in the year? Um, that's a good question. I think so, because it uh, depends on what start I get, because I'm can't, I can't get more than seven 
invitations. Mm. Um, so yeah, I probably could. Uh, that's a good question. I'll have to look into that. So they don't have the same rules in America where if you make the same as the 150th guy the year before, you can get more invitations? Oh, yeah, there is. So I just obviously just missed out uh, the top 40. So if I got that top 40, I can get unlimited invitations for the rest of the year. Oh, okay, right. And you missed the cut yeah. by one. Even par and, and one under for the for the two rounds to finish one under and miss the cut at two under by a shot. Yeah, yeah, a bit heartbreaking, but also... Motivating. <laughs> who's mapping it out for you, Min? Who's helping you? You know, who, whose counsel are you seeking uh, in knowing which rain to pull next and, and which road to travel down? Um, so I've got a, a good management uh, company. I've got IMG helping me. Um, obviously, they've been throughout like uh, every step of the way uh, giving me advice and options I can go through. And obviously, my team and I thought the I guess the Europe way was right um, after Saudi Arabia. And uh, yeah, just I got pretty much my coach, uh, Richie Smith, and um, my management, which we just talk, all talk through and yeah, get a decision out of that. So, mate, you've been, you know, for as long as I've known you, you've seemed to have been hell bent on getting to the States and, you know, rubbing shoulders with Tiger and, and doing all that stuff. And I know you've had some unbelievable experiences with him already and not just him, the whole tour concept is something that appeals to you over there. Uh, obviously, his sister's already based in the United States. What's the mindset change for you to now be such a pro-European tour sort of style uh, place with, with your thinking? Um, well, there's, there's no bad things on the European tour. Um it's closer to home. It's oh, as in Perth. Uh, it's pretty nice to travel out of. Um, and yeah, I guess looking into it, a lot of people have started on the European tour and not just straight onto the PJ tour. So I got to like take a step back and look how these guys have done it. Like Brooks Kepka, he came from the Challenge Tour, and um, I'm pretty much not skipped that, but I've gone straight to the European tour and nearly got my card. So. Um, yeah, just putting myself in, like, just looking in someone else's shoe, yeah, it's, I've done pretty well. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to keep going and going with the flow and hopefully I get to the PJ Tour, but I'm not sure when that is. But, uh, yeah, I'll just do my best every time. Min, I'm here to tell you that Mike Clayton is clapping inwardly here. <laughs> he is clapping because we've been talking about this, not just for you, with other people for ages, haven't we, Clayton? Well, I just – I mean, I've never, never played web.com. I played in Europe. I love playing in Europe. But I know Jeff Ogilvy's view is that the web.com tour is a graveyard tour. You just go there and get if – you, if you can get off that tour, great. But if you're as good a player as Mimmo is, you could, you'll get in the top 50 in the world playing in Europe. Mm. Go to Europe for three years, you'll be in the top 50 because you'll play well enough to get there. Then you walk on the US tour, basically. So it's a, to yeah. me, it's a – and if you're a professional golfer, the money is so much better in Europe. You know, it's double yeah. and triple what they're playing for on the web. So – if you're yeah. in the business for money, and, every, and ultimately everyone's in that, that's part of the reason you're playing. You're playing for so much more money in Europe. So, so I mean, what, yeah. what have you learned since, since you've turned pro? I mean, you, you had a lot of professional experience as an amateur, professional tournament yeah. experience, I should say. What have you learned since you, since you took the plunge earlier this year? Yeah, I think um, I've learned in the time of being pro a lot more than – the whole time of being an amateur. Uh, it's 
obviously you're playing for yourself. Um, you're a boss of your self pretty much and you're employing a coach, a physio, a um, gym trainer. Like you got you got so many things and you've uh, just pretty much gone from not making anything to making money and um, I guess distributing that and, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, which I thought, which a lot of amateurs think. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely a tough road because of the travel you're in the hotel rooms, uh, every week, uh, as an amateur, I stayed at people's houses and had that company all the time. So, um, traveling by yourself, uh, is definitely, you need to get used to that. Um, the phone becomes your best friend because, you know, you don't like other pros want to do their own thing. And, um, there's been, there's been a lot of friends out there on the European tour that always want to have dinner and all that. And that's, that makes, that makes it so much better. But, um, yeah, like you just, you just got to be that social person and go say hi to some pros and have dinner. And I think that's the hardest part. Just, just being, just kind of being lonesome in a way. Um, but yeah, you, yeah, that's pretty much the big, big thing out there. Yeah. Well, you play for what, five hours a day and you practice for two and, you got to fill exactly. in the other eighteen. Yeah, you, you know, the eighteen yeah, hours exactly. to fill in. You sleep for eight of them, and you know, and it's always been. I mean, Peter Thompson wrote about that. He was writing about it sixty years ago about how you filled in those eighteen hours when you weren't playing golf, which which is mm-hmm. yeah. an important part of learning how to live on the tour. Really. So, so given yeah. what you and Clates were talking about, you know, again, I always feel a bit tawdry when I ask sort of specifically about money, Min, but. When when you got and I don't even know what kind of check you banked when you finished fourth in that Saudi international, but when you see that money in your bank account and you're a young pro and you are employing you know these other people and you're responsible for that and you need money for it, when you see the money actually in your bank account, how much uh, how much weight does that take off your shoulders? How much can you kind of see through the pressure that comes with being you know a sole operator who has some kind of financial, um, you know, um, responsibilities. Yeah, um, it's obviously nice when you got a little bit of money. Um, you can kind of not look at the price on things, and you know, you can treat yourself. But um, like that's it was a goal of mine, obviously, as a going from amateur to a pro. You know, oh, like let's make some money. But after the Saudi tournament, then it was let's get my card. You know, yeah, so well. there's pressure on there's pressure on pressure and it's 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 kind of daunting because it's not the way i've always played like the way i played is just go out there and play and not really focus on the score too much and just you know just hit every shot like hard and just hold apart but when there's like that saudi part if i, I had a five four four five footer on the last and that would have that that would have been for like thirty thousand dollars which is a lot of money um and yeah, that's exactly why we practice. You know, we don't want to, I guess, lose that thirty grand that could have been made up for. So um, yeah, it's obviously nice, but it's there's always there's always a goal that you want to achieve. I mean, you've been had you've had the good fortune already to play with a lot of uh, you know great players uh, this year alone, let alone previous years. But when people like um, I'm just trying to think of an example, Scott Hend. Actually, that's a really good Scott Hend, for example. Yeah. Uh, not only you know gets to know you and vice versa. You're a gregarious person, so it's easier, I would imagine, for you to make friends. But when he goes away and says, 
you know, if I could buy shares in Minwoo yeah, Lee, yeah. I would. Um, <laughs> how does that make you feel? Does it? Do you have to sort of pull a rein and you know keep a level head on? Yeah, um, it's well, it's not going to happen unless I do, right? So you, I don't know. I just yeah, you just got to keep yourself and kind of, kind of just you just got to do. You just got to go with the. Uh, I guess the steps, you know, you got to go to the gym, you got to practice, you got to do all that still. Like the talk is always there, but it's not going to happen unless you do. So um, it's not really my business. Uh, it's nice, obviously, to get that, you know, bit of a confidence boost, but um, yeah, it's not going to, it's not going to, not many people are going to care if you just fall out of the world. So that's why I want to do good to, I guess, keep myself there and hopefully I get to, uh, a high rank in the world and I'm trying to get to that number one spot. So, you know, yeah, just achieve goals and yeah, uh, it won't happen unless you do. Number one in the world, mate. That's the mission? Yep. Yep. Hopefully. Uh, I beat your sister there, go. One. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll, I'll That'd be a good I'll effort to beat your sister. What, she, she's, is she two now? <laughs> yeah, she's two and she's not, I think she's probably one tournament away from it. <laughs> okay. Well, well, she's so you're saying beat it or number one place? Yeah, he's well, spotting at two hundred and eighty something well, places. Yeah, he's got to get do some, Got to get, get some work it. done pretty so pretty quickly. She's playing in Kingsmill this week. Yeah, she is. Okay, yeah, good. She's, well, obviously, she's won there. She so won there before, right? Yeah. Okay. Likes that yeah, she likes that. She likes that course. <laughs> so where to? So US Open qualifying. That's the next. That's it. Next one for you. Next cab off the rank. Yeah, that's uh, in England uh, at Walton Heath. Okay. Have you played there before? Yeah, I played there about three, four times. Okay, probably so... as an amateur. I did. I did this qualifying before. So, okay, good. Uh, f- familiar. Yeah. Good. So you get in. We'll let you go in a moment, but and I'll, I want to go back to that Saudi tournament. If you once you do, you feel like you, you what you did on that weekend. You beat DJ wins it. Johnson wins it by you know, he, but you beat him by six on the weekend with sixty three, sixty three. The players just in front of you and all the names behind you. I mean, it's a super world-class field. It could be a U.S. Open leaderboard at the end of, you know, what happens at Pebble Beach in a couple of weeks' time. It, that that could be the caliber of names that, you know, you ran down and nearly beat, you know, in in the confidence that you got from that. Um, you know, can you just kind of tell us, tell us, forget about the money, just the confidence you got of being able to, sort of duke it out with some of these guys and beat them on the weekend. What did you take away from that? Yeah, um, I've always I've always had the confidence in myself of shooting those numbers, but obviously it's not it's not true unless you do it. So yeah, no, it was really nice to shoot seven under, seven under and my friend my friend told me, that's probably the best weekend you'll ever have in your life and I was like, <laughs> No, actually it's pretty good. It's fourteen under for two rounds. So um yeah, it was really nice to shoot those numbers and especially to back it up. After a after a third round seven under, uh, that was pretty special and um, yeah, I just yeah I got I got a, definitely got a lot of confidence out of it and hopefully I can do it more often. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of pair of sixty threes maybe oh, one week. Right, yeah. 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 um, one last one from me, Min. You, you, you're yeah. always working on things with Coach Richie Smith. You mentioned before. What's something now that's better in your game, the professional Minwoo Lee game, than it was six months ago as an amateur? What 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 are you working on right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, obviously the money part is there, so I need to kind of get my get my shots a bit dispersion a bit closer, so uh, a bit smaller. So um, we've shortened the swing a little bit, 
Um, the shots have been a bit more solid. Uh, so everything of oh, six months ago, like from and now, everything has gone a little bit better, which is um, which is nice to know. My stats have been very good. Uh, still got a lot of things to work on, um, especially probably hitting fairways, because uh, when I do hit fairways, then I can shoot low scores. So um, there's been courses out here on the European Tour that are very tight uh, and dead when you hit it in the trees, and it's not like. Uh, some courses where you can hit it and then chip it out onto the green. So um, just being, well, yeah, I guess just having a mindset of just going out there and playing um, and not focusing on money and also just yeah, just hit some fairways. That's pretty much it. Because I guess I asked you that. Sorry, I've lied because this is another question. But uh, <laughs> I, I asked you that because... To me, while I think it was awesome that you stayed at amateur as long as you did, and which we said to David Michaluzzi last week, I felt like you had reached the end of your tether with amateur events in the sense that they never had your full, full, full concentration on the weekend. The one that you put into the Perth Super 6, for example, or anything in, in Saudi Arabia, that really has your attention. And when your attention is given, I put it to you that that's some of the best golf going around. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I guess, yeah, you want to, I don't know. It's always to the back to the money part, I guess, and the ranking. So, um, yeah, when I have a goal to achieve, I want to do it. And uh, you just have this grit and the amount of work ethic and amount of uh, practice you get in your sessions before you go uh, because you really want it, which is um, one one thing that's why I turned pro and, uh, yeah, I'm glad I did it at that time. Well, mate, we've enjoyed uh, watching every watching every step of the way so far, and uh, there's a lot of lot of golf that we're going to enjoy watching you play uh, in the years to come. Good luck! Thanks for finally uh, saying yes to our 103 <laughs> weeks of invitations to come on the show. Uh, we've finally got you. Uh, good luck getting there before. Uh, Minji, that's going to be a hell of a race if you get there before her. Um, and we, 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 as I said, we're looking forward to so much quality golf coming from you over the years. Thanks for uh, being on the show. No worries. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, mate. Minji Lee joining us. Uh, we're going to break out of the way on Inside the Ropes. More to come after this. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch your golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today, the home of Australian golf. Welcome back to the show. A couple of bits and pieces to um, tidy up before we get out of here, but there's a bit of a sad story before we uh, get into um, the general business to wrap it up. And we heard that the Wentworth Golf Club up there in New South Wales had a ter- terrible fire go through the clubhouse Saturday morning up there. And um, we never enjoy hearing these stories, of course, particularly clubs that have been around for a long time and are so important to their members. And Simon Atkinson, the president of Wentworth Golf Club, has been good enough to join us on the show. A difficult time for everybody up there. Simon, thanks for joining us. No worries, mate. How bad was it? Tell us, tell us how it started and, and the extent of the damage. 
Uh, oh, it's bad enough to burn it to the ground, which is really, really sad and very devastating. Um, yeah, it was on the Saturday morning. We got a call out around 1.30. Um, went up there. It was all started on the western end. And um, there's no official cause at the moment, but they, they're thinking it could be electrical down underneath. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a builder and um, I know the building very well and all that sort of stuff. And I uh, I thought this end would have been pretty secure because it had a concrete floor. But, um, mate, the heat was that intense underneath that it actually um, buckled the posts and concrete floors came down. And, uh, yeah, that's done a hell of a damage. Finally got into the roof space and went straight across the top of the club. So what's the upshot for the for the members? Are they still able to play the course? I hope and assume that there's no damage to the actual playing surface. Yeah, no. Fortunately, we, we got the Save the Pro Shop, um, all the machinery shop for the green keepers, all their pumps for irrigation, all that sort of stuff. Um, so that's all back in action. Um, we had to get it all tested for the hygiene because there was you know, contamination with the asbestos and that, but that's all had the approval, so... Mate, the course is still up and running as it was. It's just that we, yeah, really haven't got a place to have a drink on the Saturday afternoon after golf. We've had a bit of a rough trot up there, Simon, if you don't mind me bringing back a bit of history. We had, a, I believe, an armed robbery in 2013 and some heavy rain that caused nearly flooding and some drought in the interim and a, another a burglary attempt last year. It doesn't seem to be a sort of a particularly safe place there around Orange. <laughs> Oh, I wouldn't say it's safe. It, it, it is slightly out of town, but it's sort of like uh, got a you know, fair subdivision on the other side. Um, like I said, I've been president there 10 years and I've seen the ups and downs. Yeah, yeah it's like a matter of just getting your head out of water and you get knocked down again. We had a an armed robbery yeah, in 2013, which was a bit of chaos for the staff and uh, they they got away with a fair fair amount of cash. And then, like I said, course-wise, it was, it's been horrible. One year, what, two years ago, was that wet that we um, we virtually had to shut two holes off because you just they were unplayable unless you wore gumboots. <laughs> but um, you know, since then we, we've we've sorted out some um, drainage problem on the course, and we haven't had the rain to really test that. So we've we've just like had that dry of um, summer and winters that um, mm. yeah, the course is you know reasonably bare at the moment. So, uh, so was this where Steve Cotton and Lucas Parsons grew up playing? Yep, yeah, yeah, that's the home of Steve Steve Connor and Luke, yeah. How old's the clubhouse? Uh, the clubhouse originated in 65, so that's 52 years. We've only just had our 50th anniversary a couple of years ago. And this is a sad thing, isn't it, Simon? Buildings can always be replaced, but I imagine you've lost a lot of historic club history and, um, you know, photographs and honour boards. They can all be re- re- The honour boards can all be rebuilt, and, but it's all those things that you can never get back. Yeah, yeah. No, like I said, there's... There's a lot of old members up there that's still about, and um, you know, like I said, you, they, you can still really see the tears coming out of their eyes because of the, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears to, to create this, you know, this clubhouse because it was built on two sections, and you know, you work on it all the time and build it up and get it going as best you can. So, um, and like I said, it, with the with the honour boards, um, you know, there, there's a lot of memory up there, and fortunately, which I haven't confirmed yet, but. Um, with our 50th anniversary a couple of years ago, we had a lady go through doing a story on the place and I've got a feeling that she took photos of, of every honour board. So that's a good thing. That means we are to track back, you know, all the names are up there and, you know, when the new clubhouse is done, we can, you know, make up the boards with all the names back on it. 
And I assume, Simon, that um, from talking to you earlier, that you know, the insurance is going to um, be a helpful thing for you here. There's not going to be too much of a problem, but it's also a really good lesson. And I'm very sorry that your club's the one that's teaching it, but for all clubs to have a sort of a, you know, a backup plan in, in place in case of a disaster like this. Oh, for sure. Look, you know, like I said, we're, we're lucky with, we've got the full insurance on the clubhouse and contents and um, uh, loss of trade insurance as well, which is quite important because, you know, from Saturday onwards, you know, like everything just grinds the whole, you know, staff-wise, um, you know, income, all that sort of stuff. And like I said, we, we've got to virtually now work as hard as we can to try and get um, a, a temporary clubhouse set up for the members because, you know, number one, we, we don't want to lose our members. We don't want them to walk away and go to another club and things like that. Simon, uh, you look for the silver lining. Thankfully, no one was hurt. Uh, you've got the golf club, the, the golf course that you can still play, uh, which is the other upside to all of this. And as we said right from the outset, the buildings can be uh, put back together and uh, maybe even improved upon. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look for the positives. Uh, we'll lament the loss of your clubhouse with you. And uh, we look forward to getting up there when it's rebuilt and uh, have a beer at the end of a good round of golf. Thanks for telling us about the story and uh, everybody here in Inside the Rope, sorry to hear what your club's had to go through. Thanks for your time, mate. No worries, mate. Thanks a lot. See so, Simon Atkinson, Wentworth president. They've had to deal with it. Clates, we were deal with a terrible, um, obviously, event at their golf club. We are having a quick chat about this off-air, weren't we, before we came on? No, we are going to talk to Simon. And there is, there is another silver lining here. I mean, clubs, while we all... We've fallen in love with the idea of the schmick, whiz-bang clubhouses. But some of the best golf clubs around the place don't necessarily have the best clubhouses, the most spectacular clubhouses around the place. Well, it's true. They have – well, the well, the most beautiful clubhouse I've been in is in Morfontaine in Paris. The Hague in Holland's a beautiful clubhouse, but they're small. And it's tricky in Australia because you have such big memberships. But when Royal Melbourne – Metro and Spring Valley rebuilt their clubhouses. Pretty much the universal feeling was they'd never had a better time in the tents they had. That's right. That's <laughs> so sort of what I was getting at. You don't need it. Yeah. You don't need a flash clubhouse to have a good time at a golf club. And it's a camaraderie, and if the beer's good, and I mean, I think views from clubhouses are incredibly overrated too. Overrated. <laughs> Completely overrated. Views from clubhouses, absolutely. Well, how, how, how so? I'm, I'm intrigued by well, that. Well, a nice view is fine, but I just think. Um, you mean they don't spend as much time as they well, think they're going the, to? One of the biggest problems any club could make is building a clubhouse on top of a hill. Mm. Been universally accepted from the dawn of time of golf. So Augusta, with a beautiful clubhouse on top of the hill, means that you've got to play that 18th hole straight back up the hill and the 10th hole straight down the hill again. And, and the 1st and the ninth are fine. But you know, it's always problematic for the architect to have to play up to and back from a clubhouse on top of a hill. It's not but, all about architects, Clates. Should be. It's all about that. <laughs> um, but Rosanna's a good example here of in Melbourne. Yeah, a dreadful first hole. Only because of where the clubhouse is. And they actually get away with it. Nine, ten because it's a drop shot par three and eighteen are actually pretty good, but it's always a problem with the clubhouse on top of the hill. And the, but the natural instinct is to put it on top of the hill because of the view. And I think my experience of sitting in clubhouses over the years is that people mostly have their back to the views and I just think they're really overrated. On a Saturday afternoon, you're looking at the races or watching the footy uh, and eating it, making sure that you're getting your fair share of chips mm. that are being brought out to the table. Golf clubs, golf clubhouse, golf course clubhouses have changed so profoundly in my lifetime. The single level, flat roof, 
um, floral carpet, um, bar, the, the fireplace, the, the beautiful – and there was a smell about an old golf clubhouse mm. that was – you knew you, what you were walking into just by the by the the – Kind of the the smell and feel of a joint. The the need now to get these cathedral pitched ceilings and seal, f- f- uh, f- floor to ceiling glass and these towering tributes to the wealth of the mm. golf club. It's changed to a large degree how how I feel about walking into a golf clubhouse. I must well, admit. The best brief for a clubhouse was Richard Sattler at Bum- the original clubhouse at Bumbugal. Fantastic. Where he said to the architect. If this place goes broken, no one ever comes here to play golf. I want to be able to turn it into a house and come and live in it. Mm. Perfect brief for a clubhouse. And the best, one of the best clubhouses in Australia isn't actually at a golf course at all. Although I know we're in it, yeah. St. Andrew's Beach Brewery, which <laughs> Andrew purchased it, on the old Friedman stables at, where they trained Maccabi Diva, it's a, literally a two-minute drive out of the driveway at St. Andrew's Beach, five minutes from the dunes. Play golf and everyone just whips down the road to the brewery. It's an amazing clubhouse. So can I ask you one just architectural question before we move on from this? Mm. If you had a place, let's just pick out a club that a lot of people would know, New South Wales. Great. I love that clubhouse. Great clubhouse. Okay. Well, let's, no. If you had that block <clears throat> of land and you came in, it was a sparse, barren block mm. of land, where would you put the clubhouse in? In if you had blank canvas? I wonder where you would put it. Pro- probably, well... You've got to get to it from the road, so you can't put it out on the six T because you can't ever get there. And that's the obvious place to put it. Uh, it's on top of a hill, but it doesn't affect one or eighteen or nine or ten. But it jams them into that tricky start. One, two, and three is a difficult. It's a difficult club has to play out from, and the third hole there's not a very good hole. So I guess I'm asking more: <clears throat> Do you put a driveway through a middle of a course? No. To- no, the clubhouse is in the perfect place, New South Wales. It's in the perfect spot, I think. Mm. But the lakes, another course in Sydney, it's in the only – it was where they were – where it was dictated that it go. Mm. But it meant that the course had to finish both nines with par threes because of yeah. where the clubhouse was yeah. and where the water was on the 11th hole. You couldn't do anything else but finish that course with two par threes. What's your favourite clubhouse in Australia? Uh, you mentioned a couple of internationals. What's your favourite in Australia? Um for me, the one that I've been to as a visitor, and I've only been there a couple of times, is Royal Perth, and it's got no view at all. It's very, it's one level. It's just basic, but it's got just a ripping sort of area that's sort of semi-external. And it's like a beer garden almost. It's just awesome. Um, I don't, I, I don't yeah. know if people have know that or not. Um, Bowenheads. Uh, yeah, beautiful. It's unusual, it was a but it's beautiful. Beautiful clubhouse. I went to Mount Osborne in Adelaide. It's a beautiful yeah. clubhouse. Yeah. Oakland. Oakland's in Sydney. Oatlands? Oatlands? No, not no, 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 no. Avondale. Right. Avondale had yeah, a nice clubhouse. That's good. That's a beauty. Um, I, lo- I love the brief at Bumbergle. Concord. Concord's yeah, that's got great. a good clubhouse. Concord's pretty good. Yeah. 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 Um, New Zealanders do it better than us as a rule, I think. They've got some great old clubhouse. Well, you told me to go many, many years ago to Arrowtown, which mm. I did, and old single-story, 90-year-old timber deck. Mm. Magnificent. Yeah. Well, golfers. golfers don't need much more. Yeah. No, I think they're – there's a lot of money spent on clubhouses. Too much. I, well, I think so. But Way too much. All right, Andy, I've got the perfect segue. Go We're on. all about segues here. Please do. Since Blakey lifted the tone. Oh, did he what? Uh, chance for you to go out and sell some outback Queensland clubhouses. Well, you've you've disappointed everybody. In, you've actually – you, and I look at you, Mark Hayes, have disappointed everybody in the inside, ro- inside the ropes fraternity 
by not getting us a, a travelling brief as part it's not of this. Done yet. It was still chipping away. Oh yeah, well, I'm We're waiting for them. I'm waiting for the memo. <laughs> Pack your bag. We're going to Roma. Well, we could be going to Mount Isa, Andy. Or Mount Isa. Uh, we've got, there's a golden ticket golden ticket promotion, sort of Willy, like Willy, Wonka. Willy Wonka style. Like golden ticket promotion on at the moment. Um, you and a friend could be off for the chance of a lifetime to play in the inaugural Outback Queensland Masters for the Mount Isa Million Dollar Hole-in-One Challenge. That's the one that culminates it all. The golden ticket entitles you and a friend to a, uh, a player pass at that tournament, uh, including the $1 million hole-in-one prize from the 26th to the 28th of July with the hole-in-one challenge on the last day. A return airfares from Brisbane or Townsville to Mount Isa for two. We're, we're very big in far oh, north Queensland. It's like a real heartland. And a sofa like suite. Not only the- ScoMo, inside the ropes is massive <laughs> up there as well. <laughs> sofa suite in the Red Earth Hotel, the famous Red Earth Hotel at Mount Isa. Three nights for two people. So that's got a fantastic prize. Get onto the website, www.outbackqldmasters.com forward slash golden hyphen ticket hyphen competition. Jeez, a lot of stuff going on there. Can, but we, that'll be on the website as well, won't it'll it? It'll be on the – just go In case Outback, people didn't get a chance to write that down as no, they're driving true. towards there. Good point. Yep. Outbackqldmasters.com. Uh, you can click to it from the Golf Australia website and you'll awesome. see it on Facebook as well. So get around it. It's going to be an awesome event uh, all through the Outback region of Queensland. Uh, for a month culminating up in Mount Isa in late July. It's going to be beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. Can't Absolutely wait. Awesome. I don't know Good. what else you want to talk about, Andy, because no, I've, no. I've got plenty of things to still Well, go on. Tell us what we need to know before we yeah, well, go on. We talked about a few people before, but there's a couple of nuts and bolts we need to. And I, this is going to end up with Clates here because I've, I've got a really curly thing that I learned today. Travis Smythe pre-qualified today to get his shot onto a web.com event, which is the Evans Scholars Invitational this week. Good. Uh, which is at the Glen Club in Illinois, a ripping club in Chicago, Clates. Chicago, Evans Scholars, where they started the Evans Scholarship. Chick Evans was Tommy Bobby Jones's great rival. Is that right? Who started the Evans Scholarship for uh, Evans Scholar. It's a caddy program. Yeah. Is it based out of Chicago? Chicago, yeah. Oh, he was from Chicago, yeah. So I had a Evans Scholar caddy from when I played Chicago Golf Club, which was very nice. Hmm. And I'm going to ask you this question. I have never heard of this until today. We've learned that Madison Hinson Tolshard is going to play in the Women's Western Amateur, also in Chicago, mm. uh, in the next couple of months, which is great, the youngster from Perth, at the Royal Melbourne Country Club. Well, didn't Greg Norman design a Royal Melbourne Golf Club in, in America? Somewhere? That would actually, now that you say it, I hadn't, <clears throat> we haven't discussed this, that would explain why there's a... <laughs> There's no tiger tees on this course. There's shark tees. shark tees. No, well, oh. Yeah, it's the course Greg Norman is on. <laughs> is that a fact? Well, that would explain yeah. why it's called the Royal Melbourne Country yeah. Club. Oh. I had no idea. Yeah, Greg Norman designed it. Why the hell would you call a call it course the Royal Melbourne Country Club? Uh, well, can, I can't. Somebody else is going to need to explain yeah, that. No, no, I don't. Shark. Shark. One word? Shark. Wayne Grady's great. Close and personal no, friend. We're not going we won't there. Go there. We're not um, going there. No, that journo needs a kick in the kneecap, by uh, the way. No, was or, a, or it wasn't even a journo. Was it a journo? Whoever decided. It was a journo, and it's no, a, no, we're no, talking no. about a, something yep. that appeared in News Limited Papers. That's with a, poor form. A, a story from quoting Wayne Grady at a sportsman's night, and that's the lowest form of journalism you yep. can sort of Can't just do delve into. That's really yeah. poor form. Uh, one last thing from me in terms of qualifiers. Matt Jones, uh, as we speak today on Tuesday afternoon, is qualified for the US Open. Um Via a, a sectional one, he was one of ten players in, in one of twelve sectional qualifiers. Dallas, Mike Weir made it. Mike Weir, Weir made it. Wow! It looks like he's he actually won- in without having followed Mike Weir uh, comprehensively in the last six months. Just every now and again, he's bobbed up Has and he? a little bit here and there, and it looks like he's been playing marginally better golf because he looked 
shot to pieces a year ago, didn't he? Like, what are you doing, mate? Stop playing. Because he played in Australia quite a bit when he was young. I saw him had a shot in a practice round off the eighth tee at the Australian with a three-wood out into the middle of the ninth fairway. Oh, wow. Intentionally? No. (laughs) That'd be a hell of a hill to hit over. Unbelief. (laughs) He he won 30 million bucks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was way better than people thought, you know. Taking credit for it. Yeah, absolutely. Aside from winning the Masters, he was really good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, re- up yeah. until really recently, he looked like he looked like a terrible player on occasion. Well, he just hasn't mate, he hasn't played well for years. But he's sort of bobbing yeah, up. You've had a bit of a Mike Weir sort of. Well, it's just sort of one of those sort of embarrassing ones where he'd sort of turn up because he you know won a tournament or was it? You know, was it he had some sort of invitation. Well, he plays he the says, Masters every year. Yeah, of course. He you know, the Masters and like, yeah, so. you know, but. He played the Australian Open very recently. I want to cuts. say he played two the Australian years ago. two years ago. He yeah. played the Australian. Yeah, yeah. He's a, and he's a ripping he's bloke. A oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not yeah. having a go at him as a no, human a being. Bloke. Well, let's it's quickly. A torturous, torturous existence playing golf when you're playing badly. That is true. It's just horrible. Well, I'm just getting up his because uh, I didn't know we we're going to talk about this. <laughs> I just got up his recent. Um, <laughs> so going back from his most recent start, miscut, tied 40, miscut, 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 tied 35, tied 41, miscut, 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 tied 40, tied 56, miscut, miscut, where's miscut. He, where's this? Where's he playing? Uh, he's been playing the KC, uh, the Web, 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 Major, Web, 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 USA Tour, Web, USA. So he's bobbing up here and there, but so based on what I've just said about he's shown some Spikes in his performance. None of that would suggest anything <laughs> that I said should cuts. be taken seriously. But, <laughs> but um, there's nothing more been miserable. Terrible fool. Waking up on Saturday morning after you've missed a cut. There's, like, there's nothing Mate, more. You like, hate that, don't you? Oh, you worst. still hate that. It's the worst. Uh, there's nothing good about it. We, we touched on um, obviously the Australians at the PGA and also Jane Crafter a little earlier on. But um, just wrapping up the other Aussies around yes, the world. Yes, please. Andy. Um, Big shout out to Steph Nah, who's runner up to Leona Maguire, who's obviously LPGA Tour bound, the former world number one amateur. Uh, Steph Nah, rounds of 71, 68, 72 at the Symmetric Classic in North Carolina. So great effort there by the South Australian. Uh, well, she's not a youngster anymore, unfortunately. Uh, sorry, Steph. That's just a matter of. How old's Steph? Is she 30? Uh, 28. 28, yeah. 28 yeah. 30, yeah, somewhere in that bracket. She's still sprightly compared to, to my oh, good self. Oh, and the rest of us around this table. <laughs> Karis Davidson, uh, yeah, again, exceptional on the Japan Women's Tour at the Fukuoka Cantry Club, uh, tied for 14th. Very big on the Fukuoka Cantry Club. Scotland's, Scotland's highest-ranked player. <laughs> Scotland's <laughs> highest-ranked female. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce the oh, – I'm going to have a crack. The Queen Hongdao Championship on the PGA Tour of China. Chris Wood, 10th. Tim Stewart, 12th. Uh, the best Australians, Max McArdle, Corey Hale, James Grierson, and Aaron Wilkin also making the cut there. At the Knoxville Open, we didn't have any luck with three guys no, missing terrible. the cut. Oh, good. T24 for Whitney Hillier. At the La Reserva de Sota Grande Invitational oh, in Spain. How about that? Tapping place? right into your inner Spaniard. That was pretty good for me then. And yep. another good one uh, for a, a name that's becoming common here, which is awesome. Ryan Ruffles, T6, to move back up to fourth on the Order yep. of Merit and the PGA Tour Latino America. I reckon Ryan Ruffles might have had fun at that tournament. Not only did he play well, but it was in Montego Bay. Jamaica? No, not no, Jamaica. No, she came of her own accord. Hey! Okay. <laughs> 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 
That's pretty sharp there. Thank you very right much. Right at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> uh, that's it. Think about Spain. One, one Postigo. Postigo. Yeah. Is, are they coming back this year for the Australian Yeah, Open? I'd be staggered if those guys weren't I'll back. I'll tell you who we need to get to play. Yep. I listened to a podcast with this guy the other day, Ken Green. Who's Ken Green? Ken Green, four-time winner on the US tour. Oh, that Ken, yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant like a compatriot of Wands. Amazing. What a life story. Alcoholic father, went to Honduras, got sexually abused by two blokes for a year and a half when he was 13 years old. It sounded like he hit the guy over the head with a rock. And the interviewer said, well, how do I, what happened? He said, well, let's say he didn't ever do anything again. Got his way out of the US tour, won four times, played in the Ryder Cup, turned 50, had a divorce, train wreck, turned 50. They said, the last thing I remember was I was driving my van. I gave the van to my brother, I think, in law or something to drive. I went back in the back to go to the back of the van to go to sleep. Next thing I heard was this massive bang. Tire blew up. Girlfriend killed. Brother-in-law killed. Dog killed. He lost his leg. Wow. So, which is goes to the disabled thing. Yeah. He then had 14 months exemption on the tour, on the, on the champions tour to go. And he petitioned the tour, the players to, once his injury was to move the exemption on. So when he came back with his artificial leg, he would play again. Players, he said, they voted me down. You're what? kidding. They You're wouldn't kidding. let me play. They oh, didn't let me play. He said, they, they all assumed that I'd get invites. And How old is he, Clates? My 60. So if we're doing that thing at this train open, he'll be an amazing guy to get come play that tournament. Oh, it'd be awesome. Uh, we'll put and that on the... It was an incredible... I can't remember the name What's of the What's the name? Of, you can't remember it? No. I'll find it. Yeah, right. It, but we'll put that name it was on, incredible. The, on the to-do list. That's... But he would be like, get him down, pay first class there for a hotel, come and play with these guys. Be, this guy was a great player. Yeah, no. I, right I, a cup player. I mean, it was amazing yeah, how good he was. I thought you... Yeah, I'm with you now. Uh, yeah, well, the all, Australian All Abilities Championship. So if they're playing was, that, then he would be a great guy to have that for. Uh, Ken Green. I'm writing it Ken down. Ken Green. I'm, taking, I'm going to take it all the way to the top, Clutch, just for you. Ken Green. Just looking up whether – if you just type in Green, Ken Green podcast, whether anything pops up, but nothing and nothing initially. So you've got, that's, that's your it. duty for I, next week, all right? I'll, Can I'll you find, find it now before you – it was an incredible – it was an amazing story. We've got to go, Andy. We do. We've got to go. It's not worry about finding it now, Clates. We'll find it during the week and, and we'll put it out on the socials. There you go. Uh, that is it. Um, so if you're having a bad day, just think of Ken Groan. Could be Ken a whole lot Yeah, there you go. Uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been another edition of Inside the Ropes. Back next week to do it all again.